are right in the middle of Lent, headed towards Easter pretty soon. Uh, speaking of, uh, we are going to be having a community-wide Easter egg hunt. We're not sure if we're going to do it before service or after service. So if you're really opinionated on the time, just come talk to me because I haven't set anything in stone yet. So, uh, but we're going to open up uh, and hopefully have a bunch of kiddos out there and do uh, Easter eggs because I love Easter egg hunts. Like, as a kid, me and my brother, like, we would get so competitive at Easter egg hunts, and then my dad would get really into it, and he would hide eggs in the craziest places until there were, like, three that were just, like, impossible to find, and then my brother and I would always get in fist fights. No, he lives in Waco, Texas. Waco, Texas. Yeah, we could call him. We could FaceTime him in. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. We'll, we'll think of it. Uh, so, um, anyways, back to what we're doing today. Uh, right in the middle of Lent here, um, and as you know, Lent is my, my favorite time of the year, and we're really reflecting this season of Lent of what does it mean to be in the wilderness? more specifically, who are we in the world, and who is Jesus in our world today? And uh, we have a great passage today. The lectionary has for today, John 9, 1 through 42. So if you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, he's going to read 42 verses, I'm not. So um, we're, gonna, we're, we're only going to do John uh, 1, 9, 1 through 15 today, and so we're going to break up like we do sometimes in uh, little groups, so it's printed in your bulletin, it's going to be up on the screen, or there are Bibles uh, in the seat back, so get with a partner, grab two or three people, and read together John 9, 1 through 15. Aloud. Read it aloud. Read it aloud to each other. It helps if, you, if we... Don't be afraid to get loud. This is church. You can get loud.
All right. Uh, is this a familiar story to anyone? This is a familiar story to you, Danny? Oh, okay, yeah. Is this, anybody, is this an unfamiliar story to anyone? An, an unfamiliar story? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. And the, there are actually, in the full 42 verses, there are seven different scenes that John takes us through. And we're going to focus really on one particular uh, scene and one really particular aspect of this passage today, because uh, there are really so many ways you could focus in on uh, on this passage. There are so many things going on. Um, does anyone here ever go to Vegas? You can admit it. It's, this is a safe space, all right? Does anybody go to Vegas and uh, play slot machines? Slot machines? Got some penny slot fans? My brother. I'm speaking about my brother a lot today. <laughs> the dollar. Ooh, you're high dollar. My brother loves to, uh, when we go to Vegas, uh, play like the penny slots because he's really cheap. Um, but when when we play the slots, do we ex- we expect to win? Do you expect to win? Yeah, sure, to a certain degree, right? Like you're, we're upset. Yeah, upset when we don't win something. And I think what this um, first off, what this passage does is really refute what I like to call a um, a slot machine concept of God. Um, so it's, it's pretty common uh, in this, it's, it's in this passage, and it's common in today's society that we sort of have an expectation that uh, if we do the right thing, uh, God is going to give us X, right? You'll hear uh, people that uh, sometimes don't come to church for a while, and they walk into church and they're like, oh, God might strike me with lightning if I come in the church. You know, that's kind of like an offhanded funny comment people make sometimes uh, when they don't come to church in a long time. But that type of thinking, I think, highlights something in our culture that we have, a perspective we have in our culture about God. And in the first couple of verses, let's read the first three verses. Uh, While walking along the road, Jesus saw a man who was blind since birth. And the disciple said, teacher, who sinned? Who is responsible for this man's blindness? Did he commit sins that merited this punishment? If not his sins, is it the sins of his parents? And Jesus said, neither. His blindness cannot be explained or traced to any particular person's sin. He is blind so that the deeds of God may be put on display. So here we have this cultural expectation uh, in ancient culture, and particularly ancient Jewish culture, that if someone had some sort of disability, like blindness, a physical ailment, that there was a reason for that person's disability. Okay, this guy is blind. What did he do? What did, what did, it's a, it's a picture of how they viewed God's judgment. This guy has a physical ailment, so he must have done something that God then judged. Or it was common in that time. We know from uh, historical rabbinic writings that rabbis at the time would also try to explain God's justice in this way. So if someone was blind, then it perhaps was their parents' sins. And so when they had a child, that child was judged by God and born blind. Uh, Very common. Obviously, Jesus is uh, being asked this by his disciples. And what does he say? Whose fault is it? Nobody's fault. 
things happened. Um, he, he was just born that way. And we got to be careful in this because the English sometimes doesn't do a great job uh, in verse 3 when it says um, he is blind so that God's deeds may be put on display. We have to be careful. Uh, Jesus isn't saying here that uh, he was, he's just born blind so I could heal him. Uh, it's not what he's saying, uh, which I think this tra- is why I chose this translation, because right before that, Jesus says it's, it's no one's fault. But what Jesus does do here is focus on God's role in the present moment. He focuses on God's work in that moment. So he tries to, he doesn't explain the past. He doesn't explain why this guy is blind. He just is concerned with the work in the present. And he includes his disciples in this, which I think then includes us. He says, we must do the work of the one who sent me, Jesus. Um, But I want to go a little bit deeper and focus on a particular aspect of this passage uh, that I think uh, is important. I couldn't um, I couldn't get away from this thought this week that Jesus, obviously he heals the guy. Spoiler alert. Um, so he heals the guy. He tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. We actually have a, a picture. Uh, they've done excavating recently, and they have um, this is what the pool of uh, Siloam uh, looks like. There would have been steps to go down in there. Um, it was a place of ritual washing near the temple. So to be blind uh, in ancient culture not only meant that people around you, religious people, uh, religious uh, leaders, would try to explain uh, your blindness or uh, blame you for being blind or blame your parents for being blind, but what this is pointing to is an exclusion from participating in society. So this guy was a, what was his profession? What was the blind guy's profession? He was a beggar. So he was excluded from uh, society and forced to uh, beg. He would have been excluded from religious life. He wouldn't be allowed uh, to go into the temple, so he was probably near the temple. Okay, so when we can infer from this passage that the blind man was somewhere in and around the temple, but he would have been excluded. He would have been excluded from social life, economic life, uh, and religious life. Um, not included. So, I want to ask what does, what does our culture assume to be normal? We are always product of our, the era in which we live. We, we read history, and we kind of look at different cultures throughout history and say, how could they, how could they do that? It was so obvious that uh, you know, us as modern people would never treat people like that. But, but we, uh, we tend to often think that way, right? We, we tend to judge the past through the lens uh, of the 21st century. Uh, but what Jesus uh, is doing here is he's focused on bringing justice in what? The present moment. He's, he's focused on bringing healing in the present moment. Uh, and I want to ask, what are we blind to today? Jesus' day and age, uh, it was culturally acceptable to exclude this blind man to the fringes of society. Uh, who do we do that to today?
there are so many groups. Um, we uh, we do this uh, particularly to uh, right now immigrants, refugees. Um, we see this even in the latest, the last couple weeks uh, with the healthcare situation. Uh, we find it very easy to for it to be convenient to exclude uh, the elderly, those who are poor, and we might not use the same language as the first century, but we have the thoughts of, oh, well, uh, poor people should be able to get health care, or if they can't do X, then they don't deserve health care. We have a lot of that language in our society. Uh, you hear about uh, equal, equal pay for women is another issue where uh, anyone who's not fully included in the life of a society could fit into this category. Do you know when uh, the First Nation required equal pay for women? The First Nation that required equal pay for women, do you know when that was? March 8th of this year. March 8th of this year. Uh, Iceland was the first country to ever uh, uh, require equal pay for women. Um, so we, we tend to do this in very different ways to, uh, to not include everyone in society. Yeah. I want, to, I want it to be clear this morning that in this passage, Jesus isn't simply concerned with this man's blindness. He is concerned with his exclusion from the participation in society, right? Um, Yeah, well, I mean, even just to, to kind of go off on that, uh, what do we call, uh, what do we often call immigrants? Aliens, right? It is, a, it is a use of the English language in order to distance or separate people that are other, right? We can call them aliens, so then we don't have to uh, truly consider them as human beings uh, with flesh and blood uh, the same as as us. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, having the documentary 13th here on May 13th. Uh, I hope everybody can make that. Um, our prison system is a very obvious way in which we do this in this country. We can imprison people, we can put them in a facility and exclude them from society, and then we just don't have to worry about them. We don't have to worry about them living in our neighborhoods, we don't have to worry about them being reintegrated back into society. Uh, on any given day, 2.3 million people in our country 
are in the criminal in the criminal justice system, whether in jail or uh, on probation or in a very uh, in the justice system in various other ways. Uh, we have five percent of the world's population, but nearly a quarter of the world's prison population. Um, we, uh, a study in 2008 showed that eight months after leaving prison, uh, only 45% of prisoners were able to find employment. Most of those were with former employees or with family. So we, we create a system in which if you do make a mistake and you do get in prison and then get out of prison, uh, you really can't fully be integrated back into normal society. Uh, what are we blind to in our society today? The end of this passage, which I hope you go read the end of uh, John chapter 9, um, it becomes a story about the religious people's spiritual blindness, right? Jesus makes a play that this was never actually about the man's physical blindness, but rather the religious and cultural blindness of the time. What is our cultural blindness? What do we perceive as normal? What shouldn't be perceived as normal? Um, has anybody ever here watched any animal uh, production documentaries? Yeah, exactly. Most common response, <coughs> most common response I hear when we uh, talk about animal agriculture is, "I don't want to know." Right? Like, I don't. It's a common saying. Like, I don't want to see where my sausage is made or where the where the burger is made. Um, but here in in the Gospel of John, this is for food. Uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is most often considered and called the light of the world. This is a language that is unique to the Gospel of John. John wants you to know that Jesus is and considers himself the light of the world. In, in John chapter 9, he, Jesus refers to himself as the, in the, as the light of the world. In John chapter 1, Jesus, uh, John calls Jesus the light of the world. Um, and what I think this is really calling to us in this passage is Jesus is shining a light um, on the injustices of his time. Jesus is the light of the world today in order to shine a light on the injustice in our world today. The, to shine a light into our uh, blind spots. Uh, animal agriculture is responsible for 18% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Another 13% of the uh, world's greenhouse gas emissions are then just the transportation of those animals. Um, 80% of the beef industry is controlled by four companies worldwide. Four companies, 80%. Um, emissions for animal agriculture is expected to rise by 80% uh, by 2050. It requires 2,500 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. One pound of beef. Uh, it's incredibly wasteful. Animal agriculture is the leading cause of all species extinction, dead ocean zones, water pollution, and habitat destruction. The largest cause of deforestation, and it is the largest cause of uh, global warming. What is Jesus shining a light on The remedy is Jesus, in this passage, calling his disciples to the work. He says, 
we have been sent to do the work of God, the work of Christ. It is our job to participate in that work and to try to hopefully pray and see about our own blind spots. Um, Jesus, you know, our exclusions, like I said, are sourced in another type of, of blindness, an inability to see God in God's work in our world. If Jesus is the light of the world, then Jesus illuminates our world, illuminates the ways in which our culture, nation, world excludes some, favors others. Jesus transforms our minds, removes our cataracts. Um, Our culture often likes to relegate the poor to one side of town, so we don't have to, we don't have to do that. We don't have to deal with them. They live on the other side of town, we don't have to deal with those people. We like to eat the hamburger at the game, but we don't want to know that the rainforest is being leveled in order to produce it. We don't want to see it. Who are we ignoring? What are we refusing to see? What is God bringing to light through Jesus in our midst? Who is the blind beggar that we walk past every day and refuse to acknowledge? Are we willing this morning to wash our eyes in the pool of Siloam so that we may see? The season of Lent reminds us that we are easily blinded. We are prone to live in darkness. May we pray that we see clearly today and more clearly as we go. May we pray that the light of Christ be present in our midst, and may we hear the call of Jesus that we must do the work of the one who sent Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the healer, that you heal both physical blindness and our spiritual blindness. We thank you that you are not afraid to call out the religious and cultural and societal norms as not the way of God. That it's not the way of God for people to be excluded from society. It's not the way of God for people to um, be pushed to the edges that you continue to heal and welcome all people with open arms. May you show us that those that we don't ourselves welcome with open arms. Maybe we don't welcome ourselves. Maybe that's the hard thing. We don't see ourselves as worthy of that welcoming. Whatever it is this morning that we need our eyes open, stand together. We'll sing a song to close. Water you turn into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you There's none like you 
into the darkness you shine and out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you there's none like you cause our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome in power our God yes our God sing into the darkness and into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you there's none like you cause our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome and power and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us then what could stand against and if our God is for us then who could ever stop us and if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand against? Sing that again. If our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Oh, what could stand our God is greater and our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome in power our God yes our God is greater and our God is greater and our God is stronger God you are higher than any in power our God yes our God 
Amen. Amen.